You're teaching five-year-olds this? We want there to be security guards at every door. Really? Um, and, People uh, say that And I go, oh yeah, state legislation will say you have to allow someone who is choosing to use a different restroom or a different locker area to, to use that. There are two sides to that as well. When it comes to what's being taught in the classroom, it's a big deal to the vast majority of parents, I would say. Mm-hmm. They mandate that we teach something and it's so undefined. There are no rules with it. There's no guidance. That's just how they operate. Critical race theory. You have to teach sex ed. Usually there's zero people at our meetings. The first one last year, there were 250 people. Because we can't be a prison, right? We want kids to feel like kids. That's going to be music to Prairie Central parents' ears. Education is one of the most talked about things in America today. And who better to talk to about this than an education specialist? My guest today, Paula Crane of Prairie Central School District, who's also the superintendent and the former principal of Westview Elementary or Prairie Central Elementary (laughs) and the Prairie Central Upper Elementary. You've done it all. Thanks for making the time today to come on. Yeah, thank you. I really do appreciate the opportunity to be here and and to talk with a Prairie Central grad. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. That's right. Hey, the pleasure is all mine. And school just started on Monday at Prairie Central. So tell me, what has the beginning of this year been like in comparison to the past few years uh, with the pandemic and everything that that entailed? It really is amazing that you just, it, it is a whole different feel, really. I, um, I've been in the each of the buildings, um, several of the buildings, I should say, over the last few days um, in the morning when kids are coming in and um, at dismissal time. And the feeling, it, it's just a much lighter feeling, if that makes sense. Um it's so great to see the kids coming in. You see the smile on their face. Um, everyone just seems to be in, in so much better spirits. And um, I, I, it just makes me happy to know that it's, I just feel like it's going to be a great school year. Mm-hmm. Masks. Are they required right now? Absolutely I mean, these are rhetorical not. questions, but yeah. just to put oh, no, them all it's out not there. Rhetorical. It's a thing. Yeah, it's it's not required. Masks are not required there. Um, completely um, optional. And, and there are a few kids and a few staff members still wearing masks. And, you know, we respect that and um, we want to support that. And because everyone needs to feel safe at school um, for whatever reason. So still some wearing them, mostly not, but... Uh, it, it is a choice. Okay. Before we get into uh, what it's been like to just be in your position throughout the pandemic, you were here a few years before that in the same position, and now you're here after the fact. I'm going to ask about all that, but first I kind of want to just get to know who you are. And for sure. people who have kids in Prairie Central, people that are just tuning in to hear more about you, where do you come from? You have a list of not accolades, but degrees. I was so amazed by what you were saying just minutes before we hit record. So tell us, where do you come from? How'd you wind up in this position in the first place? Sure. So as far as my educational career, um, I graduated from Northeastern Illinois University, um, actually with a bachelor's degree in science, in biology, and then went on, decided to become a teacher and came down here to Illinois State University to get my teaching certification, uh, which is additional, um, you know, I have a biology degree, but then I need additional coursework to, to teach. So um, did that, and I, I taught science for about five years, um, taught uh, physics, chemistry, um, physical science, intro to life science, all, all sorts of, the whole gamut 
and, and science is so much fun to teach. Um, so I taught at the high school level, obviously, those courses, uh, and then decided that, um, you know, I'm always, I'm, I always want to make sure I've got that next thing ready for me. So I decided to get a master's degree in counseling. Um, so I had that whole left brain, right brain thing going right. on. <laughs> yeah, these are different worlds, yeah, typically. They're, they're very different worlds. Um, so got a master's degree in, in school counseling. And did that for a little while. Um, actually, that's that was how I got into the Prairie Central District. Um, got hired as a grade school counselor, which um, we don't have that same position anymore. Um, we do have now a lot of social workers at the grade school level, but we we didn't have a counselor up until then. Um, and then moved into the junior high as the counselor there. And then decided that, you know, maybe I might like to get into administration. So... Um, went to Eastern Illinois University to get a master's degree in educational leadership from Eastern, which qualified me then to be an administrator um, pre-K through 12 and ended up getting the, a principalship position at the upper elementary um, and then moved over to what was Westview at the time until um, we kind of restructured in Prairie Central. Um, then that became Prairie Central Elementary. And during that time also... While I was a principal, I worked on uh, my ed specialist degree, and that degree is it, it's sort of an advanced um, master's degree in uh, education, and so that qualified me to be a superintendent. And it's just a step below a PhD, right? <laughs> yeah. The only difference being that you don't write a dissertation. Right. And right. why did you choose not to do that? Um, that's probably the science person in me not liking the writing. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, oh, my goodness. Um, there was a lot of writing involved in the other master's degrees. And I remember every time I finished a degree saying, I'm never doing this again, <laughs> mm. but then went on to the next level. But, you know, at that point, I was like, I, I think I'm satisfied with where I'm at and, and what I'm doing. And um, I didn't feel like each of those other degrees I felt like would advance my knowledge and would really advance my career and um, would help me in what I was doing. And I, I, I felt pretty good at where I was at. So, For people who don't know exactly what the role of a counselor is, you were a child counselor mm -hmm. at uh, Westview when it was Westview. What did your job entail there? Yeah, so actually I worked in, at the time, all of the grade school buildings in Prairie Central. So I, I went from one to another. I was part-time in each building, of course. And it just depended on the the situation. Like there were times when I was actually in classrooms and we would be talking about maybe stranger danger or, um, you know, s some kind of a social emotional thing that would be appropriate to that age level. And sometimes I was pulling kids individually and, and talking with them. It could have been um, this child's really struggling in class with behavior. And so I might pull that child to try to kind of get to the bottom of it and try to figure out what can I do to help this child to get along better in the classroom, to feel good about being in the classroom um, so that they can function well. Uh, because if you're not functioning at those basic levels, you're really not learning a lot, of course, in a classroom. So um, I worked a lot with a lot of teachers. Um, I absolutely loved that job. And I think most of that was because, um, and I say, I say this a lot, but I really learned so much about teaching. You know, high school teaching was a lot different for me than the experience I had when I went to the grade school level and, and observed teachers and worked with teachers. And it was just, uh, it gave me a real um, 
even more of an appreciation for what teachers do. Um, I, yeah, I remember walking out of there like one of my first days and thinking, oh, these people are crazy. Like, what, what are they doing? This is so much work. And, and it really is. Um, it's, it's so complex. I mean, you are a parent and you are a counselor and you're, you know, you're, you're trying to make sure they have breakfast and you're making sure some of them, maybe they need medicine. Um, maybe they're just having a bad day. Um, and then you're trying to teach them on top of that. And the, the work that they did it, that I saw and I still see today, it, it was like art to me. Um, it, it's really amazing. And I think to me, it, I mean, from the outside, um, and especially maybe even for a non-educator, it looks so simple. I mean, it, they just make it look so simple. And so you're thinking, you know, anybody can do this. And then, and then I, when I started observing those teachers, I'm like, yeah, I didn't do that well. <laughs> you mm. know, if I could go back and teach now, I would be so much better because of what they taught me. And so um, I loved, I loved doing that. I loved being in the classroom. Something about teachers is that they have a big heart more Absolutely. often than not. And then that's teachers, but counselors as well. You're in the sole, your sole job is to counsel these people. You have to have sure. an immense heart. You have to care about their emotional well-being, their well-being in general at home. You're really in the trenches when it comes to children's emotions in psychology. That said, you have a big heart. Teachers have big hearts. <laughs> they were almost, they were kind of under the gun these past couple of years. Absolutely. Parents were outraged for a number of different reasons. And I just imagine that that had to be especially difficult for teachers and educators, especially given the fact that people in those fields are often very heartfelt people it had to hurt almost a little extra. So I'd like to ask you now, what have the past two years been like for you first, mm -hmm. and then maybe for educators as a whole? I mean, I think you hit it um, on the head. I mean, as, as far as educators go, and especially elementary educators, but all educators, you, you go into this for a reason, right? I mean, you don't go into it thinking, I'm going to get rich, you know? I mean, you just don't. Um, you go into it because you have a real passion for it, and you have a real passion for kids. And, um, you know, so, so of course, you're wearing your emotions on your sleeve, and of course, you are also shouldering um, all the emotions of the students that you have in your classroom. Um, and so, it, it is difficult. And, um, you know, teachers aren't necessarily the people that are as thick skinned as, you know, so to speak, as, as some others. So I feel like the last couple years has been difficult. I mean, you know, of course, my story is, is different than theirs. But, um, you know, I, I try to focus a little bit more on them, because I feel like when you go into a leadership role, you have that understanding that, there's going to be tough times. You know that um, not everyone is going to be uh, respectful to you, maybe. N maybe not everyone is going to agree with you and and um, can, can have that professional conversation. Uh, and so, you know, after a while, when you've been in it a while, you get a little bit, a little bit immune to it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to act like it, it, you know, there's, there aren't hurtful conversations and, and things like that. But, um, but teachers are mostly dealing with kids. And so um, I've felt really, really bad for them over the last couple years. Um, they, they get put in the middle a lot. They're, they're doing what they think is best for kids. They're pouring their hearts out for kids. They're working their tails off. And 
some days it was feeling like nothing they could do was right. And that's really disheartening to them, you know. So, you know, trying to keep that that spirit up and, and not having a lot of um, recourse, you know, not having a lot to offer, um, that, that was difficult. It was a, definitely a difficult couple of years. Hoffman's Little Acres is a family-owned and operated farm in Fairbury, Illinois, that raises their animals the way God intended. They sell meat and dairy products as well as eggs, honey, and locally renowned goat milk soap alongside other popular bath products. And it's all sourced from their very own wholesome farmstead. Reconnect with where your food comes from when you come and visit this fun family farm where the animals have names, not numbers. Animal visits in the spring and summer by appointment only. That's Hoffman's Little Acres in Fairbury, Illinois, a wholesome family farm. What sure. were some of the things that parents would say to teachers that you heard plenty of times that might have been especially hurtful, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I think, you know, and, he, and here's the deal. The thing is that a lot of parents won't say too much straight to a teacher. Um, social media really has become a, a difficult thing um, for people because people get very um, – I, I know – People tease me because I don't have Facebook, right? And I don't have Facebook for a reason. Um, I know that it can be used for good as well as evil, <laughs> but it seems like, you know, it, it, it's just people get behind a computer, behind a screen, behind their phone, and they feel very empowered and very brave. And so the good thing is, I don't think a lot of people say things straight to teachers, but what they post is hurtful. You know, what they post is hurtful. It's unbelievable. It really is. And so that's so damaging. And I don't think people really understand um, how damaging some of the things that they put on there really can be. So for that, my heart breaks for teachers, you know. In my line of work, you know, I have a Facebook page and people communicate with me all the time on there and they'll message me through my website and say, did you hear about this? This, it's often has to do with schools, especially mm-hmm. at the height of everything. This teacher did this, they said this, and there, before I know it, there's a Facebook status that some one parent posted and there's a million comments. Mm-hmm. And the comments are insane. This person is evil, fire her. 20 likes. It's like, you don't even know the story. You read a (laughs) status that was posted just now by an angry parent who, if they could just sit and think a little longer, might not have posted it in the way that they did. And then they're dragging their kid into it. Yeah. It's a, it was a madhouse. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't imagine being the teacher on the receiving end of that who probably isn't even going to hear about this until tomorrow, maybe, sure. after 100 comments are left. Yeah. And after everyone's freaking out about a thing that was misconstrued to begin with in the status. For sure. It, I didn't envy teachers, that's for sure, during yeah. this whole time. Yeah. It and, was a hard time for them. And I think you hit it when you said, you know, there's, you kind of alluded to, there's another side of the story. And you know, as as professionals, they're not going to get on Facebook and argue with a parent or, you know, say, well, that's really not how it happened. And, and they're bound by, you know, if it's a specific incident that a parent says, hey, this happened to my kid on the playground today, even if we just have an inert um, example. And that's one side of the story. People are outraged by that. But then 
when the teacher knows the real story, you really, you really don't get on Facebook and put that out there and say, hey, listen, actually, that's not right. Here's what your child did. Well, you can't do that. And so you have to let it ride. Um, and you hope that there are people out there that are sitting back and saying, well, that doesn't sound right. You know, um, maybe that maybe there is another side to that story. And if your gut's telling you that, to maybe Absolutely. consider that, you might be onto something. Absolutely. Just one little anecdote. With this show, I talked to a, a father who claimed that a principal at a board meeting got in his face afterwards and said this and that mm-hmm. and was acting this type of way. And I talked to this father and got his side of the story, and people, it the views went up. I mean, over 10,000 views very quickly. And there's not even 10,000 students at Pontiac right. uh, in their high school or anything. Right. And so he said that – he gave me his story. People got outraged. I felt a little guilty about it. And then the school sent me a security footage of that altercation, and it was more than underwhelming. Nothing against his father or anything. Right. He was heated. He was emotional. And he told me the story in this way. And then I posted the video and people were like, was this the same event? And it was like they didn't, they barely looked at each other. And it sounded like this guy was about to swing at him. This yeah. principal was about to swing at this father. It just goes to show that there is, exactly as you were saying, two sides to each story. And yeah. sometimes the person who's telling it, if they're an angry parent with a child, you might want to just consider things a little further and see if. See if you can't hear the other side, sure, maybe. absolutely. And, you know, when you look at those things, you know, I understand. I mean, our children are our most prized uh, focus. You know, they're, they're what's most important to us, or, or they should be, you know, in, in our world. And so anytime, you know, if, if somebody crashes into our car, we're upset about it. Or if somebody messes up a, a repair in our house, we're upset about it. But when you think someone's done something wrong and it's your child, it, it's a it's a heightened emotion. So um, I do understand, and I appreciate. I even appreciate that parents can be so passionate about their children, and um, and I just wish there could be that level of trust. Like you know, we're we're trying to take care of your kids the best that we can, um, and and doing what we think is right for them. So is that the case then? Are all teachers? You can't speak for all of them. Would you say the majority of teachers, at least at Prairie Central, are truly there looking out for the well-being of their students? And if that's the case, what aren't some parents maybe seeing that maybe they ought to see or ought to understand so that they can have a better relationship with those teachers? Sure, absolutely. Um, yes, absolutely. The teachers are are very passionate about kids. And if everybody could see all of the work that the teachers do in the background, um, you know, they it, just if there's a child that's struggling, I mean, you're going to see a group of teachers getting together to try to problem solve that in a hurry. And the amount of time and effort that they'll put in to that one child to make sure that child's getting everything that he or she needs, you know, maybe they need food, maybe they need supplies, maybe they need some counseling, um, That the amount of uh, emotional energy that they can put into one child is just amazing. So they are they are definitely there for the children um, all the time. And I think the the thing is that unless you're in the walls of the building, you don't see that stuff happening, right? And so I don't think that it's easy to understand everything that goes on in education. I think it's easy to listen to the news 
and it's easy to hear what the news perceives is going on and it's easy to read the Facebook posts and it's easy to you know listen to politicians and um, and so end of story once you hear it once you read it on the internet I guess it must be true you know so I think um, if they could really understand what happens they would be amazed Mm -hmm. such as if they could see how much energy and time and effort goes into just ensuring the well-being of these kids and working with the kids. And if they could just see the heart, the good heart of the teachers, you believe that maybe that would shift their their negative emotions to more positive ones. I do. And the other thing is, and, and I'm guilty just like everyone else, educators are um, – just by character, not people that want to go out and toot their horn or, you know, brag and, and say, look what we did. You know, it's um, so you're not going to see uh, a billboard with the number of kids we helped or, you know, you're not going to see teachers getting on and saying, look at the great things I did. You know, hmm. it just doesn't happen. It's it's not in their nature. You to almost do that. wish they would do that just I, I so do. we know, though. You know, I absolutely do. And and, and it's this year I did not. But generally at our opening institute, I always say, you know, let's let's tell our story. You know, let's let's make sure the story is the right story. You know, because when we don't tell our story, other people tell it for us, and um, it's not right. When other people tell it for us, it's not accurate. And so if we can get out there and tell tell it like like it's really happening. Um, it will only help us. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but again, you know, we're just not we're just not the best at that. Did you have any teachers reach out to you? I don't know if you're the person that they should reach out to in this situation, but reach out to you to express their feelings of, I don't know, anything negative. I guess did anyone come complain to you saying this is happening? I don't know if I can take it. Because certainly teachers retired like crazy, administrators retired like crazy in the past two years. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think the number is like five, five or six hundred thousand educators uh, left the posi- the their positions in the last couple of years, um, which is huge because there's already a shortage. And uh, but oh yeah, absolutely. Um, our teachers were emotionally drained, um, spent, and you get into this really difficult situation where, in my opinion, um, these people have the most important job in the world. And because nothing exists without teachers, right? I mean, no lawyers exist, no doctors exist, no no rich business people exist um, without teachers. And so... Um, wow, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so... I just happen to think it's the most important job in the world. And so you you are trying to juggle this, like we have to continue on because we can't just not have education um, for a year or a year and a half or, or what two years. Um, we have to push on and, and you have to continue. But then there's that difficulty of, you know, when you're just emotionally drained and when you come to school in the morning, you got a class – of 20 something children, you have to put on your happy face and you have to give them everything you've got. And it's just difficult to give them everything you've got when you don't have it all, <laughs> you know, when, when you don't have much to give. And so they fought through it. Um, we tried to support as much as we could. And, you know, it's like, what can we do besides 
besides not have school? <laughs> you know, what can we do besides not teach kids? Because we have to do that. Um, and there are so many, you know, you have to have so many days of school. So we're not getting out early. And we, you know, so you have all these rules to go by um, and not a lot to offer. And it, it's not like we are, um, you know, this this well-to-do business that can just say, you know, work from home. Um, because that's not the business we're in. We're not in the work from home business. We're in the one-to-one personal business. We're in the, I need to feel your emotions. Certainly as a counselor, you understand the immense value of being face-to-face in person. Absolutely. And the impact that just, even if a kid isn't learning something from math or English or whatever in a day, just being with a teacher means a lot. It really does. I mean, I, and, and I hope, I hope that teachers understand that impact that they have. I think sometimes they even underestimate the impact that they have on kids. I really do. But and, and sometimes, and I think sometimes that's because um, a lot of times you don't see the impact that you have on kids until years later. You know, um, I know that you had Dan Gross on the show one one time, and. Clean car says so much about you. That's why you need to head to All American Wash in Fairbury. From our massive bays, superior lighting, and undercarriage washing capabilities, to our high-powered jets, protective tri-gloss foam, and strong vacuums, you can be sure your ride will glisten like never before. Here at All American Wash, ease of use is a top priority. Our carefully designed app lets you scan your phone for instant access into our automatic bay, while receiving discounted rates and free birthday washes. Our layout lets you get right back on the road without any uncomfortable turns. And we know Americans work long, hard hours, which is why we're open 24-7 for your washing convenience. We have staff on site every weekday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. to help with anything you may need. And we even offer purified drinking water for only 25 cents a gallon. Experience the highest quality wash in Livingston County at an affordable price when you visit All-American Wash in Fairbury. I know that you had Dan Gross on the show one one time, and uh, Dan and I were talking one day, and he goes, you know, funny thing happened. This kid came to my house, and he was ready to go to the military, and he goes, I had this kid, of course, in grade school, because Dan was a grade school principal, and he goes, boy, this kiddo was in my office all the time. He was in trouble. I was always getting on him, saying, here's what we need. We need to do this. We need to do that, and um, he said, I'll be darned. You know, I thought that kid probably hates me. You know, I try to set him in the right direction the best I can, and but but it's always like that. Here's what we need to do, and um, he's a very gentle guy. I, I'm sure you know um, how Dan is. He's a great person. And then years later, this kid shows up at his door, and he had a coffee cup with some stuff in it, and and it said, I, I think it was Marines, U.S. Marines, and he goes, um, the kid kid says, uh, I just want to tell you that. Um, I'm leaving for the Marines tomorrow or, you know, whatever the service branch was. I'm leaving for the Marines tomorrow, and that's because you believed in me type of thing, because because that's what you did for me. Like, I'm going to be successful because of you. And that was Dan going, oh, I thought that kid probably hated me, <laughs> you know, but he didn't. And I think that's the, the kind of impact that teachers have on kids that they may never know, uh, because how often do we go back to a teacher and say, do you know how you affected my life, you know, do you know what you did for me that year when you made sure I had breakfast every day? Or do you know what you did for me um, when you said, you know what, we're going to put the math away for a while and we're just going to talk? Or, you know, when when you noticed that I wasn't feeling my best or when you noticed that I was down and out and something wasn't right. And that is, that's 
part of the impact and probably a, a large part of the impact that teachers can have on kids um, besides teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic, you know? Teachers save lives. They do. All the time. <laughs> no, it's such an important role. It's unbelievable. Dan Gross, I'm sure he's impacted so many kids' oh. lives. And it only, it's only the really brave ones that will have the guts to come to your door and tell you. Absolutely. By the way, the majority won't. So you can, if one kid's doing that, you know there's a bunch of other kids that Absolutely. would do that if they were so brave. Mm-hmm. That's a good story, though. Yeah. There's a lot of teachers that have had that, that same impact. And I can think of a million, not a million, but <laughs> I can think of a lot of teachers that have had similar profound impacts on me. Mm-hmm. And it's only if you come across them in the future, and it's always years later, that they'll come back and tell you, again, if they're brave enough to do that. But surely teachers serve an incredibly important role, and they can be incredibly beneficial in the development of some kid's psyche. They can save kids from literally from suicide. Absolutely. And that happens a lot. I've mm-hmm. talked to people on the show who have had stories like that. It's just incredible. And what I want to ask here exactly before we dive into the specifics at Prairie Central, I want to ask one more broad scope question about mm-hmm. education. What do you think, and this has happened since the pandemic, about the sharp rise in homeschooling? What do you think about homeschooling? Have you seen those numbers increase in our area? I'll just cut it off at that. What do you think about all that? Yeah, um, just saying, what do I think about homeschooling? It, it's a it's a tough question because there's <laughs> so many answers is. to that, you know. <laughs> um, but and even you know, it, how many? If you ask me how many kids we had homeschool, I don't know because in Illinois um, there aren't really a lot of um, regulations about homeschool. So um, Illinois is one of the least regulated states as far as homeschool goes. So really, I I don't know. Um, they're supposed to register at the regional office, but. Um, that's not really checked up on. So, hmm. so there could be tons of kids being homeschooled or, or very few, but I, but I don't really have those numbers. But um, homeschool is one of those things that could be the best thing for a kid um, or it could be the worst thing for a kid. You know, I mean, the situations can be so vastly different. Um, I've experienced both situations um, really on, on, on the far ends of it. Um, I've experienced a kiddo coming to school in sixth grade that didn't know all of his letters after being homeschooled. Did you say sixth grade? Sixth grade, yeah. He he was only in school for a couple of days um, with us. But wait, and, wait, wait, and then what happened? I'm sorry, I'll let you. Continue. Then he went back to homeschool. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think that is by any means <laughs> sure, the, sure. the usual. It's an outlier. Maybe. It's an outlier. Okay. But then I've experienced, you know, kids that maybe that. One in particular I'm thinking of that had a special needs. And, you know, mom said, you know what, I'm going to work on this with him at home. And she did. And she did that every day. And he is a successful individual because of her. Um, and, and that one-on-one attention. If we could hire one teacher for every student, I mean, it would be amazing. Um, so really, you know, just making a broad statement is difficult. But um, I think... Everybody needs to do what they believe is best for their family and, and their children. Um, and so there might be something that they can offer to their children that we can't, such as religion. Um, that's extremely important to many people, which is great. Um, but we can't offer that by law. And so um, so if that's a need that you have, then that and, – and, and if that's like a driving force for you, that's really the only way you can – 
can get that done a private school or, or homeschool. So um, really, it, it just depends on the needs and, and how well it's done. Maybe I'll ask you this then. What risks might be associated with homeschooling and maybe people homeschooling who shouldn't maybe homeschool? Yeah. Um, so the the risk in that, you know, when you think about especially when kids get older and you get to the high school level, you have those really specific areas that, that you're um, learning about. And it's difficult for somebody to, which this is the reason we departmentalize as, at that level, right? Because science people know science and social studies people know social studies and English people know English. And um, they are experts in those areas. And so, you know, not knowing content area can be very dangerous. Um, not getting that content across to a, to a student, you know, depending on what they're going to do in their life. You know, if they're going to go on to uh, a four-year college, they're going to need those basic, that foundation of, of knowledge and skills to move on and be successful in that, in that realm. Um, maybe they're going to go on to um, help dad farm for, for ever. And that's going to be what they do. And that's great as well. Um, we all have our niche. And um, so maybe they don't need calculus to do that, you know, or maybe they do. Um, so, you know, really that, that is, that's, that's kind of the risk in that. And also the, the mental health aspect, like if they're getting a lot of socialization and learning, how, I think what we've seen in the past, however many years is um, kind of a, a regression of those skills, uh, of those people skills, um, the ability for you and I to sit at this table and disagree respectfully with one another, um, the ability for us to see each other's um, side of the story and say, mm, I don't think that's right, but you do you and I'll do me. Um, and even just being able to work together with other kids and other people on a project or, or on a in a game or, you know, those sort of things, um, it can be lacking. Now there are homeschool groups that get together and do all of that stuff. So, you know, again, going back to, you know, homeschool is one word that defines a lot of different situations. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, and also I think that we have a lot to offer and especially at Prairie Central, we have a lot of, a lot to offer with extracurricular type of things, sports teams, um, FFA, um, all kinds of agriculture stuff. So that's a that's something that that we have to offer. I think that is extremely beneficial to to students. Right. I have the honor of having a lot of friends. Actually, a strange amount of friends that have been homeschooled. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend was actually homeschooled, mm -hmm. and I have very close friends that were as well. One side of the coin is girlfriend had a great education actually and mm -hmm. they made sure her parents made absolutely sure to get their kids out and be yeah. social to be social to play sports to do these different leagues so that they were properly socialized and then they would also link up with other homeschooled kids just to learn from whatever their parents were really good at teaching mm -hmm. and they also do these online things the way homeschooling typically works is you have a book that you order and you go online mm -hmm. and there's a hotline you can call if you need extra help from a teacher and you watch these videos and you do these tests and you can redo the tests and yada 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 mm -hmm. things like that yeah she got a great education and all the time when i bring around family or friends they're like 
you're homeschooled. You were homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. We thought you'd be weird. We <laughs> thought you'd be awkward. That's <laughs> right. the big one. And then I have other friends that were they they said we wish we could have gone to school earlier because we're weird. We know we're weird. <laughs> and my brother, my sister, they act, they act like this. And so you can go, you can do it well. It takes a lot of work, it seems, from what little, this little subject group that I've been mm-hmm. able to intermingle with. You can do it well, but it's very, very hard. And you can absolutely do it poorly. And yeah. that's really, really easy. Right. That all said, though, you mentioned the thing about being social just in general, as a general trend in this age group of kids in school. I read an interesting article not too long ago about high school-aged girls right now, since 2020, hang out with their friends in person. There's been a huge drop-off in this. Hang out with their friends in person, their high school girlfriends, less than 8th grade girls did in the year 2000. A lot less. And so normally what you'd see is eighth grade girls hang out with their friends this much. And then Mm -hmm. you go into high school. It's all the time because they get away from mom and dad and they're always hanging out. The fact that 2020 girls in high school are hanging out with their friends. It was pre-pandemic though. So do with that what you will. That was an important detail because, yeah, no, during the pandemic, no one's hanging out. Before the pandemic, they were hanging out with their friends less than they were in 2000. Eighth grade girls were in 2000. Mm -hmm. That could be due to social media, a rise in social anxiety, the desire to not go talk to people face-to-face. I'd just much rather do it from the comfort of my computer so I don't have to intermingle with them physically or anything like that. I don't know why I'm telling you this, really. Maybe I'll ask you this, though. Have you noticed, have you been able to notice in your years in education in the same district, have you been able to, have you seen a decline in kids being socially skilled or just social at all? And if so, or if not, what has that looked like? I think the, the change that, that I have seen is, um, you know, the same thing that I said earlier with people can become a different person when they don't have to face you, you know, so, and it's no different for kids. And so, you know, I, actually, I just got a call from one of the principals yesterday and she's like, you know, this child said this to this other child on on a Snapchat or whatever, and it, it was just horrible. And I'm like, whoa, what? tell me a little bit about this kid. And she's like, no, this kid is great. Really, really <laughs> nice kid. I don't know what happened. You know, well, what happened was it, you change. You're a new person when you're behind a screen, right? And so um, it's kind of allowed people to hide behind that. And so that does change people. You know, um, and what you will say to people face to face is is very different. But I think some of that then starts to to flow over to what I feel comfortable saying to you to your face, and um, to not maybe not show respect or or um, at least uh, be human <laughs> to each other. You know, and so we do see that. Um, Bullying has been around forever, right? I mean, that is not new. Uh, but it, it's gotten, there's a new platform for that. And it's a little bit easier to do. And mm-hmm. with a lot of the online stuff, it's extremely easy. And it's easier to say harsher things. And oh, for sure. Bullies in years past would say in person. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. And, and it can be so hurtful. And um, and then that you get that gray area where do we have authority over that in school or don't we? And, and it is very you know, some things we don't and some things we do. And so it it just gets difficult because that does affect other kids in school. Um, 
when they see things being said, it it, it does affect them in, in their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. So speaking of bullying, when it comes to school safety, it seems like there's been a huge spike in that being a concern. The Compound, located on 800 North Division Street in Chenoa, Illinois, is a wrestling training facility for youth and high school freestyle, folkstyle, and Greco-Roman wrestling. Here we are driven to teach wrestling technique to athletes who strive for the highest levels of success in this sport. Athletes from the compound have earned gold at IKWF, IESA, and IHSA state tournaments, as well as national and international competitions, and have gone on to wrestle for Division I colleges. For gold standard wrestling education and development, come to the Compound Wrestling Training Center in Shenoa, Illinois. I know at Prairie Central, we've added, uh, just when I was in school, you could walk outside the building into the ag building. Mm -hmm. Now there's walls there, so you never really walk outside. What do you think of all that? Is it it absolutely necessary, would you say? Uh, Just tell me your feelings on that whole topic. Um, This is something, as a school administrator, that you think about a lot, right? And you have to plan for the worst and expect the best, and I hope that Every penny we put into school security is money not well spent, you know? I mean, I just hope nothing ever happens that would ever warrant money not well spent, you know? I mean, I just hope nothing ever happens that would ever warrant what we've done um, to keep to keep the building safe and to keep kids safe. But you have to do it because you just, um, you can't predict. You just can't predict. And so that it's a real thing and it's on people's minds. And every time something new happens, it's very much all over the media. And so kids see that, parents see that, and it, and it can be terrifying. Um, and again, kids don't learn well when their basic needs are not being met. And a, and a basic need for, need for a child is safety. They have to feel safe wherever they are. They have to feel physically safe and they have to feel emotionally safe. And so um, making that happen is extremely important. Um, so, yeah, we've put a lot into school safety. Um, even now, we're adding more cameras. We're, you know, making sure that we're, we're changing door locks. We're replacing doors. We've got all sorts of you – know, at the high school, I don't know if you've been there recently, we completely changed the way people enter that building. And so, you know, now you come in, you have to have a door unlocked. You get into an area, and in order to get into school, you have to have another door unlocked, you know. So um, – it seems to be a bit much, but it, but I just think people have to feel that you are aware that there's danger out there and that we're doing all we can to take care of kids and staff. It's a far change from back in the day. I'll even say 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. that recent. I hear stories of athletes getting keys to the building. Just come practice whenever you want. Just come on in. For sure. And, and all the school building all the doors were unlocked, right? So right. you could walk in, anybody could walk in any door of a school. Um, now each teacher needs a key and everybody comes in one door. Um, visitors come in one door, you know. So yeah, it's very, very different. What do you say to the parents though that say, we're turning our schools into maximum security prisons? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny because um, I have gotten 
communication on both ends of that. Like, like we're not doing enough and we want there to be security card guards at every door. Really? Um, and, People oh, say that and to I'm you? Go, oh, yeah. I just got that one pretty recently, actually. And I'm like, no, because we can't be a prison, right? We want kids to feel like kids, <laughs> not like prisoners. And, um, and then... Then you get the opposite end where it's like, this is ridiculous. You know, you're, you're planning for all this. Nothing's ever going to happen. But I, I think parents appreciate what you do. But yet you have to really be careful of that fine line of, of kids feeling like um, like they're in a prison versus they're in a school and, and, and they're kids. Hmm. So I want to transition into a little more about specifically Prairie Central. Of course, we're hmm. talking about the building right now, but as far as culture goes and the way Prairie Central does things. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that immediately comes to mind when I ask you, what does Prairie Central do different than the surrounding area schools? Oh, gosh, I don't, you know, I, that's so hard to say, because I think so many schools are, are similar in really taking care of kids. But I, I think what Prairie Central has to offer really is a family atmosphere. And we have, like, if you, if we're not going to talk about these last couple years and, and that there has been some divide in the, among among community members and, and communities, um, in general, our communities are very supportive of our schools. And so I think these small, uh, these small communities, even though we're a larger school for being so rural, you know, we're, we're 386 square miles of of a lot of space and not a lot of kids. Um, but so it would seem like it would be a bigger town that would have 1,700 kids, but we're a bunch of very small towns. And so you still have that really small town atmosphere and that really um, that helping each other out atmosphere. And um, one perfect example, um, you know, this is a simple thing, but the, getting wood chips spread around in, in the playground at Prairie Central Elementary just last weekend. Like, this is a huge job. And um, one of the teachers uh, said, you know, hey, I know that maybe the the maintenance crew can't get this done right away, but I can get some volunteers. And like that, she had volunteers. And like that, that was that job was done. Because parents, all you have to do is ask. And they're there. And they're there to help. And um, they're, there to, they're there to support. So. Right. No, I mean, I went to Prairie Central. Mm -hmm. There, that FFA, what was that? It was an auction thing. Mm -hmm. The amount of people that come to that, the amount of money that gets donated is unreal. The amount of donations made to Prairie Central, Emancipation Brewing Company <laughs> is giving back to Prairie Central and the music boosters and the extracurricular, this and that. And I love my time at Prairie Central. It's a great school. The community is incredible, especially in Fairbury where I grew up. It's mm -hmm. it's unreal. There's a special culture in Fairbury, and I only say Fairbury because I don't know about know. Forest, you know, yeah. Chatsworth. But it's the people are good people, and I think it has something to do with being founded on Christian values. It's a very heavily Christian area. Agreed. But I I really enjoyed Prairie Central. I think it's very special in a lot of different ways in the amount of community support that it gets the teachers. I, I even really love and well, it was interesting for me during the pandemic. I went to a board meeting and I streamed one of the meetings mm -hmm. and that was the first time that I saw, okay, there's some people that don't like what's going on here. My question to you is, has there always been a chunk of people that 
have maybe been angry at the way Prairie Central does things? Or was that just during the pandemic, would you say? Um, you know, it, I'm sure there are, I mean, no matter what, there are always people that will ag- disagree with how things are done um, in whatever situation you have. Like, that's one thing that you learn for sure as an administrator that you're not going to please everyone, right? You you can't please every community member, every parent, every teacher. Um, but I think the pandemic brought on a, a special set of emotions, right? And unfortunately, it got very political. And, you know, right now, education is just in the middle of this this extremely political environment. And, um, you know, we're just trying to continue to do what we do and continue to love kids and and take care of kids and and teach kids. But you get into the middle of these fiery um, discussions and and then people assume and, and what have you. So this this particular thing just got extremely heated. And, um, you know, I don't see I usually there's zero people at our meetings, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, the first one last year, there were 250 people. Oh, was there yeah, really? In August that last year that um, between being at the actual meeting and, and zooming in and yeah, so obviously, this is something that was important to people, mm-hmm. you know. And speaking of being political and things getting fiery, I'd like to talk about a particularly divisive topic. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can extinguish a fire a little bit or, you know, dampen it a little or maybe throw gasoline on it. I don't sure. know. <laughs> when it comes to what's being taught in the classroom, it's a big deal to the vast majority of parents, I would say. Mm-hmm. Critical race theory. Mm-hmm. And who exactly knows what that is? Not a whole lot of people. It's kind of complicated, actually. It's a philosophy, I believe, made popular at Harvard. It doesn't I'm not going to try to specify what that is, and if you can, please do, but critical race theory and uh, just sexual education, I would I would call it. Mm-hmm. Are those two things talked about a lot on your end of things, on the back end of education at Prairie Central, and what's kind of the general feel? What should parents know about that? What goes into the decision-making about what's being taught, and is there any risk of potentially alarming things being taught? I asked you a lot of things right there. Maybe you can uh, sort through that a little and tell <laughs> sure. me what you want to tell Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Fairberry Furniture is Central Illinois' premier furniture store. This family-owned business offers a vast selection of premium furniture items from all of your favorite brands, including Sealy, Best Home Furnishings, Leather Italia, Tempur-Pedic, and Ashley, just to name a few. And right next door to their gorgeous 7,000-square-foot furniture showroom, you will find the Fairbury Furniture Mattress Store, home to all of the latest and greatest mattresses in any and all sizes. Also inside Fairbury Furniture is the popular WC Market, a beloved shop that offers an ever-changing selection of unique gifts and fashionable home decor. Here at Fairbury Furniture, the staff is always helpful and friendly, and they are well-stocked with all the mattresses, tables, chairs, recliners, couches, and decorative pillows that your heart desires. So make your home interior beautiful, comfortable, stylish, and delightful when you shop at Fairbury's own Fairbury Furniture. Come on down to Fairbury Furniture where the furniture rocks. Um, of course, we're, you know, th- there are all kinds of mandates that are handed down to, to public schools, um, and a lot of those come in the form of curricular mandates, right? And so um, depending on, on what that, it could be very something very small, it can be something 
um, that's much bigger. But these two things really did get, um, you know, very blown up. And and I can speak from, um, from a Prairie Central point of view, right? Um, Because there are other districts that did engage in um, teaching a a full um, comprehensive sex education curriculum. Prairie Central does not do that. And so therefore, when that legislation came out, what they said was, you have to, if you're teaching, if you're teaching sex education, um, this comprehensive program, you have to follow these, um, these standards so that, so that maybe nationwide kids are kind of being taught the same thing, right? Hmm. But we didn't have that that program in place. Um, we've not taught sex ed. At, now, sex ed looks different, and, and the problem is that we're calling it that, right? Because that has this, like, what? You know, kind of like, what? And then it became, you're teaching five-year-olds this? No. Um, no. So it got miss it's an it's a misnomer really it's you know at at the lower levels it's all about safety right maybe maybe stranger danger um you know just just keeping yourself safe and then it gets to be maybe some health stuff here's your body here's you know you probably remember at fifth grade level when the girls went in one room and the boys went in another. And, sure do. Popped and, in a VHS tape. <laughs> right. All the guys laughed. And, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's the extent of what we do now, really. Mm. You know, th- th- that has not expanded. And everything that is taught, you know, at the high school level, there are things, anything that's a little controversial can be opted out of. So that really did not change um, anything about what, what Prairie Central has done. What things can be opted out of then? Um, like if if they're going to talk about contraceptives or, um, you know, premarital sex, that sort of thing, parents can opt out of that. Do those sometimes come up in certain classes? They do. Um, there's a there's a unit on that sort of thing that that parents can opt out of, but they don't. It's it's very lightly covered. Like you. Obviously, don't even remember covering that, but I'm nope. sure it's the same as what they did. You know, you're just talking about family life. Um, you're just saying, here's the risk. Um, there are STDs or there, you know, here's here's some of the risks. And you're talking about what are these STDs and from a health standpoint, uh-huh. that sort of thing. So that's what we call sex education. Oh, so this is seventh, eighth grade stuff? Is uh, that or high school. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember taking health class in 7th yeah, or 8th grade. Yeah, it is grade. more health. Kind of, it, the health teacher teaches it. Mm-hmm. It's more health-related. And so do some other schools in the area teach a sex education curriculum? Or I, not curriculum, but... I think others will teach the, the standards that are set forth. And I I can't tell you who or where or what they exactly they even teach. But, um, you know, I know some are offer much more than we do in that area. You know, we, we have a, a conservative, like you said, it's, it's a Christian conservative um, communities that we serve. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, we realized that really always that's a, that should be a family thing in my opinion, but um, schools do a lot of things really now that kind of are more f- used to be the responsibility of the family, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? I'd, um, and so we do get put in that position too. So, you know, that is, I'm sure, where that is coming from. That's going to be music to the majority of Prairie Central parents' ears. I know that because they tell me that. Yeah. And this, they've asked for a conversation with you for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah, they're going to probably like that a lot. Like you said, it's a Christian conservative community for sure. And Mm -hmm. that sounds good to them. 
I'm glad I just remembered to ask this, but when it comes to the funding of Prairie Central, Mm -hmm. it's a public school. You get money from the state government in some form or another. Mm -hmm. A couple questions. If they say that you, Prairie Central, and all public schools in Illinois need to do a thing or implement a certain law practice, can you opt out of that? And if you do opt out of that, say they say you need to have masks again, or Mm -hmm. maybe you need to teach sex education and you need to do it in this way. If you say Prairie Central's not going to do that, that might be your decision to make, literally yours. If you opt out of that, do you opt out of funding? And maybe if you wouldn't mind telling us, how much funding do you get in the first place? So state funding, um, state funding is around $6 million. And so Really, it depends on the situation. There are things that the state will let you opt out of where you can apply for a waiver for certain things. And there are certain things that they don't allow you to opt out of. And so um, you have to hope that that the state doesn't come forth with things that you just can't live with. And I will say this um, quietly, I guess, that sometimes most of the time, this is most of the time when a curriculum mandate comes comes out, they mandate that we teach something and it's so um, undefined that there are no rules with it and there are, there's no guidance. That's just how they operate. And so they're going to say, let's just say they did this with sex ed, although there's specific guidelines, but, but you have to teach sex ed. Okay, what does that mean to you? You know, what does that mean to you and what does that mean to um District 87 and, and Unit 5 and, you know, Ridgeview, what does that mean to each individual school district? Um, or, you know, you have to teach a, an easier one. You have to teach cursive writing. Okay, so are we going to do a day of cursive writing? Are we going to do a year of cursive writing? You know, what does that mean? So even though they might mandate some of these things, there is still that so for, as far as the curriculum goes there is still some leeway for you to know your audience and be able to um be able to kind of tweak what you're doing based on that um and and it doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily keep kids in a bubble either you know i mean we have a great community but some of these kids are going to get out of the community as well so so we do need to know what's going on in our environment and we do need kids to know that they're going to encounter people that are different than them and that they're going to be working with people that are different than them. And um, so we want to we want to give them a well-rounded education that way so that they can become productive citizens wherever they are, if they're in Fairbury or one of our towns or if they're in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. God forbid they leave your high school and are just blown away and traumatized yeah. almost by all the new types of people that they right. they come into contact with. Sure, mm-hmm. yes, you have to get them well-rounded and acclimated to the outside world for sure. Although some parents probably would rather you not do that even. Yeah. But, okay, there are some things you can opt out of. Mm-hmm. What's an example of something you can't opt out of and something you can opt out of? Um, you know, sometimes you can file a waiver if, if something is, um, not doable, right? So like, this is an easy one. Um, there's some new stuff coming our way as far as, um, curriculum relating to trades, you know, and 
you have to offer these classes that kids have an opportunity to get skilled in these trades. And but if but if we had to just start up those programs and that was going to cost us so much money to start those programs that we just didn't have, we could apply for a waiver and say, "Hey, we can't start this new program. We can't we just can't possibly um afford to pay this many more teachers to to teach these classes and things like that, right? Um so so there's that sort of thing. But a lot of stuff is is not you're not able to waive. So such as what? Um just uh well PE. We we have to have PE. Math, you have to teach math. But, but again, they're not well defined, you know, well PE so many days a week, but um math, math is not well defined. You might have to teach these standards, but you know, how much time you put into each of those standards or how you teach those standards or at what time you teach those standards can be much more flexible. So they're um, left intentionally vague in their writing to allow for freedom and diversity in how things are carried out from community to community. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. What happens if you opt out of, or you can't get a waiver for some legislation that's like, Hey, you got to do this. You've got to, for example, I'll let anyone use any restroom just to yeah. pick a particularly divisive issue. Right. And and that's where you, it really gets difficult because something like that where you have, um, you know, that exact example, you know, where sometimes you have federal legislation that is um, contradictory to state legislation on things like that. You know, state legislation on that will say that you have to, um, you know, allow allow someone – who is 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 choosing um, to use a different restroom or a different locker area to to use that? But then, um, well, f- then federal might say, you know, state might say um, you don't have to have you might not you don't have to build a separate area for somebody, and where federal will say, no, it's there you you have to do that. So, um, you know, it it that. That is a difficult, a really difficult thing, um, especially that you know that there are two sides to that as well, right? And so you've got kids that you're trying to take care of and you want to feel safe, but you want all the kids to feel safe. You want every kid to feel welcome. Um, and and you also want people to understand and, and accept and appreciate diversity um, while at the same time you're trying to, to say, oh, I get... I understand you, your side too, where you might not feel comfortable with this person in your locker room. So, you know, that's where you start to juggle these things and, and you know that not everyone is going to come out of this feeling the same or okay, mm-hmm. you know. What happens then if the state says you need to do this and you don't? Um, It depends, like, because ultimately you will get um, turned in to the state. We do know that. Um, and so it, it just depends. Sometimes they might say, you know, we're going to take your accreditation away. And if that happens, then you can give diplomas, but they're meaningless. Um, and yeah, so I, by taking away accreditation, which is a thing that the state can threaten you with and do and carry out, it would mean that your all the diplomas you give to students would are be, null. Yeah, would be null. So you know, I don't know. I I don't know that they would do it. I mean, they they threatened to do that sort of thing the last couple of years. I mean, that was the first time I think that I've heard of that. That got really serious. You know, um, they can threaten um, 
they can threaten funding. Um, the biggest thing with something like that is when you're talking about civil rights, um, you're working with a bigger entity, right? So um, this is uh, the Civil Rights Act specifically pertains to education. And, and so if you are taking someone's civil right away, you really are opening the district up to some very big litigation and, you know, probably going to do some harm. And, you know, so you're trying to make sure that you are being responsible to with taxpayers' money, right? And so opening the district up to litigation like that is really not being responsible with taxpayers' money. Um, and, and because they're going to, you know, you don't know if the insurance company is going to say, well, I'm not, you did that on per- you knew that this was what had to happen. You you chose not to do this. So, you know, you're on your own type of thing. So it that is a real juggle. It really is. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Huh. How do you make the decision then? Who do you consult with? Well, I think you try, you just try to get as much information as you can. You ask area schools what they're doing. Um, you consider, you know, similar schools to you. And then you see, you, you ask area schools, what was your solution to this and and sometimes people come up with great solutions um you know kids in a locker room um of of all gender identities you know if if i don't feel comfortable maybe we could make a space where anybody can go into this area and and dress so that means that um if you are identifying uh, as uh, if you are bi- biologically assigned as a male when you are born and you are identifying as a female and you're going into the girls locker room um and if maybe someone doesn't feel comfortable with you in there, they can go to this area and dress, you know. Um, you just try to give opportunities for people to feel comfortable um, as much as possible. But I don't know that there's a right answer to it. Yeah, no matter what you choose, quite yeah. literally, someone's going to be upset about it. For sure. And you really can't help how people feel, you know. I mean, that is one thing. You can't help how you feel. You can only help how you react to how you feel, right? So mm. you only have control over that that action, not that feeling. Huh. Wow. Well, we're getting towards the end of this whole conversation, and I really appreciate you explaining things to me. I've learned almost an overwhelming <laughs> amount. Really, what it seems like to me is this job could be stressful. And so I'd like to ask you, does the pressure of the job, stress of the job, does it ever get to you, and how do you handle it? Um, you know, honestly, a lot of times you you hear, um, you know, in the different organizations that I'm involved in, they're saying, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself. Make sure you're doing self-care. Um, and before that was all kind of cliche. Yeah, okay, fine, whatever, you know. And, and a lot of that stuff became real to a lot of people the last couple years. And then you realize, you really do come to that realization that if I don't take care of myself, um, I can't take care of anyone else, right? It's the whole, um, you know, take care of yourself on the airplane thing. When the mask comes down, you know, the, the person's telling you, put your mask on first and then put your child's mask on. And you're thinking, what? That's not, a, you can't do that. Well, <laughs> that makes sense. If you're passed out, you can't help the, the child next to you, right? So um, you really do have to do that. And so being mindful of that is important. And over the last couple of years, um, I've been more mindful of that. And that means something different to everyone. And so it, taking care of yourself is a very personal thing. Um, 
what does that mean to you? And, and what does that mean to me really are two different things. And so, you know, spending time with my family is extremely important. So that's what I've said. Sometimes I've just, you know, I was going home, I, you, you do a 12 or 13 hour day or 14 hour depends on if there's a game that night, 15 hour, and then, and then you're going to go home and get your computer out and, and work some more, right. And so I've tried to be very mindful of when I'm home, I need to spend time with the people I'm there with. Right. And, and, and just little things like that. Um, being part of a, a, of a Bible study, right. I, I joined a Bible study on a whim, like, I really feel like this is something I should do. And I've loved it. Right. And, and that's something that I needed to do, take care of myself. So those sort of things, um, that you can do for yourself and everybody needs to figure out what that is, uh, to keep yourself healthy so that you can do the job. Mm-hmm. Wise words, wise words coming from a woman in the position that you're in. That means a lot. And people should really listen closely to that in a completely off topic. In other news at Prairie Central, you're adding a new ag building. Is that right? Yeah. In addition to the ag building, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's, um, you know, we have, I, I know that you know that we have a, an extremely successful FFA program, an agriculture program. One of the best in the country. Absolutely. And um, it really is what puts us on the map and also what serves our community because our, our communities are very, very heavy ag related. And so, you know, we we strive to put kids out there into our community that can get jobs right there in our community and that want to come back and live in our community and have babies, hopefully, in our community and send mm-hmm. them to Prairie Central. So um, we really want to nurture that. And uh, so this new addition would really, we're just in the planning stages of it, of course, but it's just so exciting to see what additional things we can offer kids um, by adding this space and being able to add maybe some of the coursework and and things that that are uh, that would be available with with this additional and different sort of space, um, and it also meets some mandates. So you know, there's some new mandates coming down that are saying that kids are going to need more lab sciences, and so okay, I'm a science person, but I do realize that not everybody is built for chemistry and physics and not everybody, that's not their jam, right? So um, if you can meet those mandates, which we can through some agriculture classes, um, that's going to meet this whole other group of students um, and and meet their needs and and help them to graduate and and get those um, taken care of um, in, in that way, in a way that's meaningful to them. I see. Wow. That's pretty cool. It's very interesting learning about the reasons why. You just said that you want people to come back and have babies. Like I'm not even <laughs> think when when I was a student, I didn't think that that was even a thought that you guys had when deciding whether or not to put up a new structure. You're thinking long term. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Before we wrap this whole thing up, is there anything else you'd like to say? Like I said, the conversation's been wildly educational and informative and just a darn good conversation. But is there anything else you'd like to say, maybe to families uh, inside the Prairie Central School District or students or anyone watching? Yeah, I really my message is more for um, for the whole community, but but to teachers, um, you know, thank you for what you do. And it, it's a daily grind, and it, it it's a difficult job, and it's an underappreciated job, and it, it's an, a misunderstood job. And um, and when I say teacher, I mean educator. Like, and when I say educator, I mean everyone in the walls, right? Because mm. education's everywhere from the person that is 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 cleaning 
the building for you and sanitizing it to the person that's feeding you lunch and the person that's working with you on math. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a community, right? And so um, I want people to remember how important they are and, and that there are so many people out there that do appreciate it and that do appreciate educators. And, you know, to your point earlier, those are the people that are not necessarily going to come forward and, you know, come to your classroom or your house one day and knock on the door and say, hey, guess what? You know, you, you're awesome. So, um, you know, I hope that people can understand that and, and really embrace that. And, and to, I hope that parents can appreciate what we do, um, can appreciate that we're serving all students and, you know, anyone that comes in our doors and that maybe they could take a minute that, and that we appreciate what parents do as well when they work with us and, and volunteer with us and things and that maybe they could take a minute to, to send a teacher a, a note. Man, I think that would mean the world yeah. to a lot of teachers. It's incredible how such a little thing like that can make a world of difference for these people. Yeah. Paula Crane, thank you so much for talking with me today. It's been an honor, and I know everyone's going to love this. So, again, I appreciate your time. Thank you. My pleasure, and thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Until next Sunday, I'm your host, Paul Garcia. God bless, and have a great week. <laughs>